This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Joined, as always, by our fearless leader, managing editor of Horns247, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, happy March to you. Happy March, Chip. How's it going? It's going good. It's going good. I mean, what did Chris Beard call this? The best month of the year the other night. And we got all kinds of things going. Spring football is going to start in this month, 20 days from now. Uh, we'll be talking some some football today, talking, well, our interview with Cameron Digger on the flagship podcast. Everybody needs to check that out. Um, he was He's one of two Longhorns at the NFL Combine this week. We'll get into that. Hudson Cart, make or break spring for him. We will we'll get into that. Talk some Texas and women's, uh, Texas men's and women's basketball. Uh, here we are. We're getting down to the nitty gritty, the last games of the season, Big 12 tournament seeding, all that. And Texas baseball continues to look like the number one team in college baseball. Um, they're doing a little better than the Texas softball team right now, but we don't need to dwell on that. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Chip. Uh, yeah, we have a lot to cover, um, but it's it's always an exciting time because I always feel like, you know, when March hits us, it's like, I, once basically once like you know they changed the signing period to the early signing period i feel like from like january through march we're kind of like oh okay what are we going to talk about you know a little bit even though there's things going on but this is when things really ramp up so this is a, an exciting time um well and you mentioned the signing period and this could be the month that arch manning takes his official visit to texas right yeah um Steve Wiltfong, he was on the Five Minute Morning podcast, part of the 24-7 Sports Network with Blair and Gulo um, earlier today. We're recording on Wednesday, and he talked about the current situation with Arch Manning, Chip, and he mentioned that you know Arch wants to finish up his high school baseball or basketball season, excuse me, and then it's going to be hitting a lot of these places that um, are in his you know t- top six right now of schools with Texas, uh, you know Georgia, Ole Miss, LSU. Or, yeah, LSU is in the mix now, um, Ole Miss, uh, Alabama. I mean, there, there's a, a list there that's kind of growing a little bit, but he's expected to be taking some of those visits here once his basketball season wraps up. So going to be a, something to watch. I mean, it's going to be like the tour of Manning, right? <laughs> I mean, this is big time. This yeah. is all, all eyes. I mean, look, only Texas, uh, when it comes to the quarterback position, can an official visit possibly overshadow spring football. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, spring football is going to start on March 22nd. We're hearing uh, Arch Manning could be in March 24th. And it's his birthday too. Well, yeah. And, and I think it's actually his uncle Peyton Manning's birthday as well. I'm pretty sure we share the same birthday. Hey, little trivia for your next uh, <laughs> tailgate right there. Yeah. Taylor Peyton Manning 
share a birthday. Possibly Arch Manning visit. Possibly Arch Manning visit. <laughs> so big March coming your way. And, um, well, you know, the NFL combine Taylor, we'll, we'll start there. Uh, and, and pro day, by the way, is March 10th. So, uh, but only two longhorns at the NFL combine. We, we talk about the rebuild of Texas football and, and one of the two at the NFL combine this week is kicker Cameron Dicker, who we had a chance to talk to on the flagship podcast interview earlier this week. Everybody should check that out because Dicker is fascinating guy. I mean, mm -hmm. how many people knew he grew up in China was born in yeah. Taylor knew, <laughs> yeah. but how many people out there knew? No. Yeah. He was born and raised in China until he was 11. And then he moves, you know, over to Texas plays at Lake Travis. And obviously everyone knows about his, his kicking and punting career at Texas first team, all big 12 punter Dicker, the punter, <laughs> uh, but interesting stuff. I mean, he talks about uh, everything from, you know, playing for Tom Herman as compared when a coach who wouldn't even acknowledge the punter and kicker's name uh, to playing for Jeff Banks and Steve Sarkeesian, Jeff Banks, a former punter, very hands-on and top-notch special teams coordinator. And, and then all the, the heroics that Cameron Dicker provided for Texas football, the last second kick against Oklahoma, the game winners against Kansas, Kansas state, and he even kind of talks about Ryan Buchevsky and his decision to enter the transfer portal, their best friends. And he talks about the, the competition who's still on campus. Right. Will Stone, who he helped recruit to Texas from Austin Regents High School. And um, Isaac Pearson from Pro Kick Australia, who's the leading candidate to replace Dicker as the punter, as well as walk-ons, Bert Auburn and, and Gabo Lozano. So... Uh, it's, it's definitely a, a flagship podcast you want to, you know, dig into because Taylor, we've talked about this special teams were a plus for this five and seven team in 2021. And now because Cameron Dicker's moving on, it becomes a question mark and it's a significant, um, question mark when you talk about a guy who can deliver a game winning kick or, or help with field position in terms of his punting. Uh, it's hard to replace a, a 46.8 yard punting average. Yeah, it is. And you know, that was a really good interview. You know, Cameron Dicker, he's a he's a funny type of uh, guy. I thought it was funny. One of the one of I won't give away too much of the interview. One of the funnier parts of it. I mean, it was funny hearing him talk about, you know, Tom Herman not calling him by name. And he joked, you know, he's like, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, like, Kicker kind of sounds like Dicker. So I just pretended like he was saying my name. It was like, oh, thanks, coach. Uh, but <laughs> the other part was when he talked about, <clears throat> you know, Chip, you mentioned the 2019 season, the game winning uh, field goals against Kansas. And then he said, yeah, my whole, like, I wasn't, you know, nervous or anything. My whole thought was like, I mean, we can't beat Kansas. We're not going to lose, to, or we can't lose to Kansas. We're not going to lose to them. And he's like, well, then I guess we did lose to them. <laughs> yeah. But it was just funny to see his personality. You know, I mean, I think everyone, he he provided Texas uh, Nation with one of the best gifts, I would say, in the history of Texas football with his little nod thing to Joseph Osai before he hit that game winner against Oklahoma back in 2018. And I feel like that's kind of the persona that people have um, built up around Cameron Dicker. But, 
you know, when you actually get to hear him speak more and open up, I mean, he's a very interesting guy, he's an interesting story. So definitely, definitely check that out. Um, the interview we had with him from Monday. I'm thinking, Chip, we're, we may need to try to work to get Josh Thompson then too. I mean, we got yeah. one of the two combine invites uh, as a guest. I think Thompson may be the next one. Yeah, maybe we get him after the combine yeah. to see how he thought it went. But um, yeah, good stuff there. And and Josh Thompson, I mean, he's a you know big physical corner, could play safety, has played nickel. I mean, he can oh, yeah. do it all. Yeah. And you're hoping that he tests really well, answers all the questions right, that his medical uh, turns out right. Because if you talk to any player who's been to the NFL Combine, they say that really it's it's about uh, the NFL trying to put you under duress mm -hmm. from from the beginning. Like you go in for your medical, you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait hours for your medical. Uh, Dan Neal, friend of the show and former All-American, two-time Super Bowl winner, uh, played at Texas, obviously, on the offensive line, talked about the year that he went to the combine with Orlando Pace, who was projected to be the number one pick in the draft when when Dan you know was coming out. And Pace got so tired of waiting for the medical, he just left. He just left the combine. It was like, someone's going to pick me anyway. He went number one overall. Didn't hurt him at all. <laughs> I um, guess you can do that if that's the case, right? <laughs> yeah, but they they try to... You know, they don't give the Wonderlick test anymore, but they're just trying to see what you're like under pressure, under duress. And uh, and so that'd be it'd be and they always ask you totally bizarre questions like, yeah, you know, it, what you know, would, are you a dog or a cat or all this stuff? I mean, it's like ridiculous stuff. So, yeah, we need to get Josh Thompson on to to, you know, talk about all that. And and Taylor, when you look at at Josh Thompson, a guy who had to wait his turn and then played, like we said, all kinds of different positions. You know, he's a guy whose football, his best football may be ahead of him. Right. You know, he had the big pick six against uh, Texas Tech and it made a lot of plays, uh, obviously, on a defense that struggled. He was one of the bright spots. I think he and Anthony Cook, uh, but only two players at the NFL Combine um, the recruiting class of, of 2022, you hope, starts to to turn that tide because, I mean, I'm looking back at that 2018 recruiting class that Cameron Dicker and Ryan Buchevsky were a part of. Josh Thompson was actually part of the 2017. Yeah, he was. Um, he committed to Charlie Strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's no one left. Well, okay, I shouldn't say that because there are, heck, there are actually some from that 2018 class, like Anthony Cook. DeMarvian uh, Overshone. DeMarvian Overshone, Keandre Coburn, who are still on campus and will be for the 2022 season. But so many players are are gone. So many players transferred out of the program. A couple left early. Joseph Osai, Caden Stearns are in the NFL now. Brennan Eagles, too. Brennan Eagles, who's now, I think he just got drafted by the Dallas USFL team. Yeah, yeah. He's on the USFL or in the USFL. He should have never left early to begin with. Yeah. He went undrafted, got, had a cup of coffee with the Cowboys. Now, you know, then didn't get picked up again. Now he's in the USFL. We'll see if he can, um, you know, be a late bloomer uh, because some of his issues at Texas and leaving early were were self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, his academics weren't in great shape and there was talk that maybe he left um, because his academics weren't going in the right direction. So you just hope that 
a player like that can figure it out fast enough and figure out how much of a business pro football is so that they you know have a chance because he's got to get that education if uh if football's not going to work out so it's you know it's that time of year where uh the page turns in the nfl from the the Rams super bowl win to uh, to who's coming out and who's going to make a difference in the NFL next year as a rookie. And and so it's exciting times for for guys like Cameron Dicker and Josh Thompson. And then at Pro Day on March 10th, let's see who can be that guy who, you know, jumps off the the screen, the Jeff Swaim, the Henry Meltons of, of the Pro Day who, you know, gosh, uh, some of these guys end up, you know, getting Trey Hopkins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, started at center for the Bengals, went undrafted and, you know, put up a good pro day at Texas and and got the attention of the, uh, of the NFL that way. So it's, it's, you know, it's an exciting time for those guys. It is for sure. And, and when you mentioned about Josh Thompson having the best football ahead of him, I totally agree with that chip. I think, you know, if, if anything, if you learned anything about Josh Thompson during his time at Texas is that he's a competitor, obviously, um, and that he's a team player. He's a team guy. He moved from corner to safety to back to corner to nickel, back to corner. I mean, he played all over and he did it just to try to help out um, the team. And I always felt like Josh Thompson was the type of guy who never truly got the credit he deserved, especially last season. I mean, everyone was picking on, you know, the fact that or saying that Deshaun Jameson, for instance, like had a fall off type of year. And it's like, well, because people weren't targeting Josh Thompson's side of the field because he was playing so well and people weren't talking about that. They were just talking about the negative, which is easy to do when there's a five and seven season. Obviously you kind of look at all of the negative. It's really hard to point through to the positives, but Josh Thompson definitely was one of the positives for Texas. And that's a, a guy that the Longhorns are definitely going to be missing in the secondary and missing his leadership too. Cause he was one of the team captains um, for the 2021 season. He did have the possibility um, to come back for another year. I uh, talked to some sources about after he announced his decision to enter the NFL draft. And, um, and one source told me that Josh probably would have come back had he not been invited to the senior bowl. And then ultimately the combine, if he, if he missed out on either of those, he was probably going to come back um, for another year, but he got that invited to both. So that just goes to show what people in the NFL and the scouts do think of him. I mean, you know, some Texas fans, I think you're going to miss him a lot next year. And um, he was kind of that, that under the radar guy that probably never got the credit he deserved because he kind of was floating around, but obviously good enough to where he was invited to both of those, um, even though he you know, has played all over the secondary. And as you mentioned, his best football may be ahead of him. So that's, I mean, that's a good sign of, you know, what he brings, but now it's for, you know, Texas has to replace that, which is going to be a, a tough challenge, I think, Chip. Yeah. And some of the positive feedback we've heard from uh, the offseason workouts have been from the defensive back position, Terrence Brooks, um, Ryan Watts, and um, BJ Allen at safety, the true freshman early enrollee. So, uh, Texas in need of those guys to to come on and and make a difference. And I'll just say this: Marcus Wilkins is one of my favorite stories of a of a guy who who got it going on pro day at Texas. You know, Marcus Wilkins, uh, I think started one game at Texas. Um, you know, was a special teams guy, but at pro day, he 
killed it. And, and so he comes out in 2002 and makes it as an undrafted free agent who started one game in college and ended up playing six years in the NFL. And, and so if you don't think pro day matters, I got another thing for you. Um, yeah. Well, Henry Melton too. I mean, everybody really came out that year to watch Brian Arakpo. I mean, Brian Arakpo was a headliner, obviously. Um, you know, he was one of the first round draft picks in that 2009 NFL draft, I guess it was, but Henry showed up so big that he, what was he drafted like fourth round or something like that. And I think earlier, prior to that, he was looking at a later draft or possibly undrafted free agent. So yeah, pro day matters for sure. And I can't, I'm, I'm like blanking on his name. There was a, a player that was a, a safety at Texas um, in, oh my goodness, I can't, I, I don't know what, but this Earl was, Thomas. What? Earl Thomas. No, no, no. It was, uh, oh my gosh, it wasn't Adrian Phillips. It was, uh, oh my gosh, this is driving me nuts now. I Adrian can't. Phillips is a good story too. That's a good story too, but there was another one. Uh, oh, uh, Michael Thompson. That was yeah. another one. You know, he was, I mean, I, I remember back then. <laughs> When he was uh, going through, you know, workouts, I was joking with another, or no, I, I was not, another media member leaned over and was like, why is he just wasting our time? And then he ends up being, I think, what, a fifth or sixth round draft pick because of his performance at Pro Day, too. That was another kind of good story, too. So, yeah, um, a lot, it definitely matters a lot um, on the line for a lot of guys and, you know, a lot of opportunity for ones that may be flying under the radar, um, you know, at the next step of their career. Well, and I apologize if you can hear some knocking in the background. Uh, there are some folks here doing some work on my house. So uh, don't worry. No one's trying to break into my house or, you know, trying to hurt me or anything like that. Don't uh, don't fret about that. Um, all right. So, Taylor, um, UT basketball, um, they have their last men, the men have their last home game in the Irwin Center on Monday night against Baylor. And it was, it was awesome. The energy was awesome. Now let's be honest about the Irwin center. No one likes the Irwin center. Okay. Now you may have graduated in the Irwin center. So you have good memories of getting your diploma in the Irwin center. I did. Yep. But the concerts. Okay. See, Taylor has some good memories in the Irwin center, but concerts, the acoustics, not good. Although I was asked what my three favorite events I ever saw at the Irwin center. And I said, Aerosmith, Paul McCartney, and, and Tom Petty four months before he died. And the acoustics were never good in the Irwin Center. And it's not a good uh, shape for basketball. It's a big round arena. And, you know, a basketball court is a rectangle. <laughs> You'd like the building to be a rectangle and, like, be right on top of the court. But anyway, Taylor, I mean, top three events at the Irwin Center? for you before we plunge into UT basketball? I can't even remember the last time I even went to a concert there. Um, See, so Taylor I guess didn't even want to go to concerts there. One graduation, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so that's good. We <laughs> even have that I didn't want to walk, I was like, well, I had to. My parents flew in from California, so I couldn't just be like, oh, I'm not walking. We're just going to have a party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you had to waste your whole morning, probably most of your day, day sitting and watching other people walk across the stage. But – so the Irwin Center last men's basketball game happens Monday night against Baylor. Baylor, number three, defending national champion. Great headliner, marquee event to close down the Irwin Center. And, and Texas, with six minutes left, th this is a tie game. 
and you're like, oh man, Texas, Texas switching them in terms of their physicality. They are, they've been in this situation recently and won against Kansas. They've had close games against OU and West Virginia and pulled them out. You're thinking what a win this would be to close down the building. And then Baylor makes all the plays down the stretch and Texas can't uh, get to the free throw line. I mean, Marcus Carr, Andrew Jones, two of their best drivers, not a single free throw attempt. And Baylor had guys in foul trouble, including Adam Flagler, their leading scorer, who had four fouls for the final 645 of the game. And and um, and Kendall Brown, who had four fouls for the last 10 minutes of the game. And, and so... Texas ends up losing this game 68-61. It's one of those resume games where no one was expecting Texas to win, but if they could have won, it's a, a great resume win for the CA tournament committee to look at. But um, this was this was a good game. It was a good game. Texas played way better than they did in their first meeting when they got smoked 80-63 to in Waco. Remember, that was the game where Beard sent all five starters out to right. answer for themselves because, and Courtney Ramey said, we were soft and we need to step on each other's toes and hold each other more accountable. And they have since then. So you saw progress, but they came up short, Taylor. Yeah. And, and you would hope that with those many players on Baylor being in foul trouble that, you know, Texas would try to force them to make a, a mistake. I mean, and it just that it was weird, right? I mean, did, wasn't it kind of because I mean, Texas yeah. held the lead at halftime. I mean, it seemed like everything was kind of going in the Longhorns' favor, and then when it came down to it, it's like y'all had a chance to put this away literally by forcing them to foul you a lot. I mean, it, like let's just be honest, and that just because yeah, Baylor happen. was only playing with seven guys. Yeah, remember they don't have LJ Cryer, they don't have JTT anymore. Um, you know they're. They got a couple their key guys out injured and you had guys in foul trouble. So it, it, it was, it was a big opportunity. It was. And, and now Texas does have another opportunity to end the regular season um, at Kansas, Kansas team that just got upset by uh, TCU surprisingly, actually that happened uh, Tuesday night. So this is going to be a big game. I'm, I'm not sure that I would want to be in Texas shoes going to fog Allen Fieldhouse. And uh, facing a Kansas team that just got embarrassed in a 10-point loss, I think it was, to TCU. Um, and then yeah, to what, the regular season, like, good luck. <laughs> what a way to, to to close out the regular season. You get to be the senior night opponent for the, <laughs> the top team in the Big 12. Um, great experience, great opportunity, as Chris Beard said on Monday night. It's a great opportunity. And it is because, look, Texas is going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, he's talking about Texas being a contender to win the Big 12 tournament when they go off to to Kansas City uh, March 9th through the 12th. And so we'll see how this, uh, you know, seeding plays out because uh, Texas right now, uh, you know, right in the mix for that four seed, which would, you know, depending on how Kansas and Baylor finish up, uh, it you don't know who you're getting there. Texas beat Kansas in Austin, got swept by Baylor. So, uh, you know, look, the Big 12 is no joke. And you just mentioned TCU 
and that and TCU's a team that's on the bubble. Uh, that win over Kansas probably helped them get in. So it's um, you know exciting times uh, since our last podcast. Texas also went up to West Virginia and won, and that was sort of the epitome of what Texas needed to do in the Baylor game. You had Timmy Allen relentlessly attacking the basket, getting fouled, going to the free throw line, made 12 of 14 free throws. And Texas won the game from the free throw line in the final minutes of that game on the road. Uh, Texas got up by nine. Then West Virginia came back, led by 10. Then Texas claws back into that game by attacking the basket and making free throws. And, and they end up holding on and winning 82 81 on the road to West Virginia was a, a gut check win. And you're, you, you've seen Marcus Carr, um, you know, relentlessly attack when they played TCU. Uh, TCU was up in that game. Texas came back, won it from the free throw line. I just kept waiting for uh, Texas to do that against Baylor. It didn't happen. But again, Baylor, number three team in the country, defending national champ. Credit to Scott Drew. This may be Scott Drew's best coaching job at Baylor. He lost four starters from the national championship team, including Davion Mitchell, who was an absolute assassin. And then, you know, he he brings in uh, Akinjo from uh, Arizona, who, wow. I mean, if Marcus Carr wants to know what he's up against in the NBA, he got a good look at it and going up against Akinjo, who just got wherever he wanted to go against Marcus Carr, and Marcus Carr uh, couldn't get anywhere against Akinjo. He, you know, it was that was a that was a wake up call, I think, for a lot of people. But um, you know, let's see where Texas goes. Now they've had this newfound, um, you know, killer instinct or toughness uh, since that Baylor loss in Waco. Let's see if they can. Uh, bounce back and get going here in March. I know uh, Chris Beard seems to be trying to manifest that into existence. Yeah. I'm curious, Chip, how many Big 12 teams do you think will make the NCAA tournament? Probably less than people think. I mean, um, half? I think it's five. You think so? Yeah. Who do you, who do you think it will be? I mean, I think it'll be Kansas, Baylor, um, Texas, you know, Texas. And Texas Tech, obviously, and then TCU. What about Iowa State? I think, I think they got exposed mm-hmm. down the stretch, but you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. That's pretty impressive. For I mean, the Big Twelve has ten teams, so right. if if they get even, if they do get six in, I mean, by just the percentage, that's probably goes to show that it maybe it arguably is the toughest. Um, conference, I think, this season in college basketball, which I don't know if a lot of people expected that. I think people f- thought West Virginia and OU would be better, and mm-hmm. West Virginia was a big disappointment. OU under Porter Mosier, uh, first-year coach, um, you know, up and down. And Oklahoma State, who made the tournament last year, is ineligible for postseason play because right. of NCAA sanctions dating back to the Brad Underwood era. Um, but uh, Taylor, another – I mean t- – UT women's basketball, real quick, uh, kudos to um, Texas fans. They showed up for Texas's uh, home win over TCU after Vic Schaefer said uh, he was really disappointed and frustrated with 
uh, them averaging only 2,600 fans. Um, more than 4,000 fans came out to see them wax TCU. And and the Texas women have won six in a row. We're recording on Wednesday. They're getting ready to play at Kansas in a really interesting game because Kansas is the surprise team of the season in the Big 12 in women's basketball. They were picked to finish last, and right now um, they're still in contention to finish fourth. I mean, this is a, a big game uh, for Texas in terms of seeding going into the Big 12 tournament because uh, the top two teams – in the big 12 for the women are Baylor who Texas has lost, got swept by and Iowa state who Texas swept. Right. So obviously Texas would like to be the third seed instead of the fourth seed uh, and avoid getting in the same half as Baylor. So we'll, we'll see how that goes, but the Texas women uh, playing great and, and surging at the right time. So, uh, and Texas baseball, Taylor, I mean, Big weekend coming up, um, you know, Texas beats Sam Houston State. Andre Duplantier goes a career-high six innings, gives up one hit and and gave up one run um, after giving up a leadoff double in the second inning. And then he had a, you know, little issue. Uh, well, a grounder moved that runner to second. Then he got called for a balk. The, the runner moved to third. And then uh, a fielder's choice brought that run in. But that was it. And you know, Texas pitching just continues to look fantastic. And Andre Duplantier is a guy who, you know, people were saying he could battle Tanner Witt for that Sunday starter role. So you want to continue to see Duplantier look good because if anything happens injury-wise, you got to have a guy who can come in and be a weekend guy, Andre Duplantier, uh, looking like he can handle it. And because he got through that second inning and, I mean, I think he threw 78 pitches through six innings and he had three, one, two, three innings looked good. And the bats, you know, against Sam Houston state came through 10 to two win. And now they had to Houston minute Maid park to take on uh, Tennessee LSU and UCLA three baseball powers. And this will be the first, uh, well, I mean, Alabama's a team on the rise, but this will be a bigger test for the Longhorns. Yeah, it will be, especially the first game, I think, against Tennessee. I mean, if you if you look at the current, um, you know, stats in college baseball, uh, Tennessee basically leads pretty much every offensive category that you can think of. I mean, they're um, I believe they're what are they like? Number one, number one in, in scoring, home in runs, runs, doubles, on base percentage. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot, and uh, and then now it helps. They played Iona, who's like one of the worst baseball True. teams in history, and yeah. they scored. They won one game like twenty nine to zero, twenty two okay, so to one. Sense. So they're averaging like sixteen runs per game right now. Yeah, I think ridiculous. it's yeah like fifteen point one scoring or scores per game. I think is what it is, but yeah, I mean this is still a test. I mean no no doubt about it. I mean this Tennessee team. They were in Omaha last year and, um, you know, that it's, as you mentioned, the other teams that they are going to be playing, um, you know, in LSU and UCLA, I mean, those are perennial college baseball, you know, not wouldn't say powerhouses, but straight They're you know, a big uh, name in college baseball for the history of those programs too. So, you know, and, and if you go back to last season when Texas played in this tournament, Texas got swept by, um, 
all of the SEC teams that they ended up playing. Wasn't it the same tournament, right? It was. Oh, all, yeah. They well, played, like, it was that uh, one was in Arlington. Oh, that was in Arlington. That's right. I was thinking that was in Houston. But um, yeah, I mean, still, this is this will be probably one of the, the toughest challenges. And it starts on on Friday against uh, number 17 ranked Tennessee. But, you know, if you look at, you know, Texas currently leads the country in uh, with a I think it's a 0.67 ERA as a team. And then behind them is Tennessee. T- um, I don't have their numbers for their ERA off the top of my head. Yeah, but, they're top three. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, number Tennessee is a point nine ERA and they're second behind Texas. And so, and I'll say this about the win over the sweep of Alabama. Um, they won game one, one to nothing. Mm-hmm. And Pete Hansen, whose ERA is still zeros, went six innings and didn't even get the win because it was still zero zero when he left. And and so Travis Staley ended up coming in and getting the win. And Travis Staley's looked great in a in a relief role, the top uh, reliever coming out of the pen, uh, the way Tanner Witt, a role that Tanner Witt filled last year. And and then in game two, they win it two nothing uh, with Tristan Stevens on the mound, and Stevens' ERA is still zeros. Yeah, and you know. Clutch, gutsy performances, great defense from Texas. Silas Ard- Ardwan, three for three and, and gunning uh, attempted steals at second. Got another one against Sam Houston State last night. And you just like how these guys have looked. Mm-hmm. And so this weekend, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. And it's never a bad thing if you start the season with your Friday night and Saturday starter with zero ERA um, and two games that they've played and they've played 11 innings and 12 innings. It's not like they have zero, zero ERA after being pulled after two, <laughs> you know, they're, they're averaging about six innings per game so far. Um, and their starts so far. I mean, that's the, you win with pitching. Let's be honest. You win with pitching. And if you, you look at like the Texas Rangers, for instance, I mean, when Nolan Ryan was involved with the organization, there was such an emphasis on, the pitching staff because he knows what he's doing. And then they, you know, fire him and let the people in the main office that are the suits make the calls. And they've been terrible since. I mean, pitching is so crucial in any level of baseball call, you know, high school, college pros, you name it. But uh, Texas is off to a really good start. And you hope, you know, that um, what, whoever the Sunday starter ends up being, whether it's Tanner Witt, whether it's somebody else, you know, continues that trend. But this is, I mean, you win a series with if you win the first two games. And if your starting pitchers are Tristan Stevens and Pete Hansen, you probably have a pretty good chance of winning the uh, two games of series to at least start. Yeah. Hansen with eight strikeouts in his start against Alabama and Tanner Witt, nine strikeouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got a, like a 1.8 ERA. Yeah. Uh, and he's a guy who will, you know, he is a power pitcher. So, I mean, he's coming after you. He's trying to throw hard and, and just beat you down kind of like the way Ty Madden uh, did it. So you love to have that guy as your Sunday guy, because you've just faced Hanson in a power sinker baller and Tristan Stevens. And then you're going to get the heat uh, from Tanner Witt on Sunday. That's a pretty good combo. And, and the bats came alive in that third game against Alabama six, one win. Um, So uh, Taylor, we will. Are you ready for some love it or leave? I was gonna. 
we got to give some love uh, because the Texas men's and women's swimming and men's and women's track teams both swept at the Big 12 championships. Track, obviously, the, the indoor championships, but uh, the Texas men's swimming team is number one. No shocker. Oh, yeah, surprise, surprise. <laughs> going for a 16th national championship, probably going to win it. And Carol Capitani, um, who's dramatically improved the women's swim program, they're number two in the country. They handle their business. And Edric Florial, the coach of the track, both track teams, he has the number one team in the country in the Texas women, the number three team in the country with the Texas men. So, uh, Kudos to those teams because uh, they were dominant last weekend. Yeah. All right. They usually are. I mean, those programs are usually pretty dominant year in and year out, and that's continued. So definitely kudos to them. But you ready for some love it or leave it? I'm ready. You ready? Yeah. Let's uh, let's go take a really quick break here, but stick around because we have some more football talk, some more basketball talk and baseball talk, actually, a trifecta and love it or leave it this week. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Chip, let's uh, get some love it or leave it going. You Okay, you real quick, this? Taylor, I yes. can't leave out our girl Sophia Simpson, the freshman pitcher for the softball team. She threw her first collegiate no-hitter. Oh, yes, yes. For the Longhorns and snapped a six-game losing streak for the Longhorns. Sophia Simpson, I think I mentioned last week, starting to look like the number one pitcher for the Longhorns as a true freshman. So uh, you can't miss her. She wears number 99. And <laughs> oh um, she is, uh, she's got like five different pitches. So kudos to Sophia Simpson for that uh, no-hitter. Okay, now I'm ready. For All right. Leave it. My first question for you is love it or leave it. This is a make or break spring for Hudson card. Um, you know, it, I'm going to, I'm going to love this because even though it could be neck and neck between he and Quinn Ewers in the spring, um, Hudson card needs to be way ahead. I mean, Hudson card needs to have a, lights out spring and put all of his experience, all one year of experience 
in the Steve Sarkeesian offense to work because um, it's not only make or break for Hudson Card. The quality of the quarterback play in the spring is going to directly impact the confidence of the rest of this football team. You, you know, when Vince Young walked out on the field, every player, whether he was a defensive lineman or a corner or a safety, felt a little better, a little faster, a little stronger because he was playing with Vince Young, even though they didn't even, you know, they weren't on the field at the same time. It just, that's how big of an impact the quarterback position can, can have. And, and Hudson card needs to grab this opportunity and he needs to just say, it's my time. It's my show. It's, you know, no if, ands or buts. So from that standpoint, I'm going to love this Taylor because obviously uh, he's in a little bit of an underdog role. He's kind of in, he's kind of in the role Casey Thompson was in last year when everyone was saying Hudson card is the guy. Now Hudson card is, you know, trying to fend off the guy that everybody thinks is going to be the starter in Quinn Ewers. So, you know, it's not, the battle's not over at the end of spring, but I'm going to love this for all those reasons. How about you? Yeah. Um, I'm kind of torn a little bit because I don't necessarily, um, I wouldn't be surprised at the end of spring if there is no clear answer at quarterback yet. Just, and that's not a, you know, me saying that I'm questioning either one of these guys talent level or anything along those lines. I just think that it's a, there's a, it's a long ways until even fall camp, you know, and a long ways till the start of the season. And while everything is, um, I, I would probably, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to leave it. I think so, because I would say more so Hudson card probably has the most to gain out of this spring, but I wouldn't call it a make or break. Cause I just would not be surprised if the quarterback position is um, not clear cut ever, you know, uh, Quinn Ewers was perfect type of thing came in, took over. I do, ex you know, would not surprise me if Quinn Ewers does start next year or anything along. I'm not trying to say like the opposite, but I don't necessarily think it's make or break. Cause I would, I'd be a little surprised if Steve Sarkeesian was going to call the quarterback battle at the end of spring. So where it could be make or break, I would say would be more so if, if um, Quinn Ewers starts, you know, rolling a little bit more and more and Hudson card kind of starts, you know, um, trailing behind him further and further, it may be a make or break spring and him staying at Texas or not. I right. think that may be more so than, um, you know, he's either has to prove it now or he never will type of situation. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave it, but I will say that I do think Hudson card, um, has the most to gain um, with a good spring. The one thing, though, Chip, you know, if you we talked about the you know the women's basketball attendance last week, the uh, game against TCU, the home game, and how the fans showed out. Well, the fan, the Texas football players showed up too, and the players that showed up that Texas football was promoting being at the game were Demarvin Overshawn, um, Xavier Worthy, Jake Majors, and Quinn Ewers. We haven't seen Hudson Card at all, it seems, from, I know it's just a social media thing, but still, social media is planned for by, like, organizations. It's not random. It's not some things that they're just going to randomly do things. No, you have a you have a, an idea and a plan for how you want to um, implement social media and do your posts on social media, especially if you're a football program, like, uh, especially the magnitude of Texas. And there's been a lot of public posts about Quinn Ewers. Where's Hudson Card? You know, I, I think... I do think that Hudson Card really needs to step up and probably 
be more of if he really wants to, you know, get the team on his side, he's got to stand up and be that leader. And I feel like we're seeing a lot more about Quinn Ewers than we are Hudson Card. And Quinn Ewers has yet to put on a Texas jersey. So that's, a, I think, you know, if this should be a wake-up call. If you're Hudson Card, it should be a wake-up call that I need to make my presence more, you know, known, um, not just among the team, but publicly too. And kudos to Taylor, because I think it was Taylor's, I mean, she said here on this, flagship podcast that the other sports need to promote women's basketball to get students out to the game. And, and, and that appears to have happened. And, um, and I will say this, I don't think Hudson card can win the job in the spring, but I think he can lose it. Yeah, I would agree with if that. If he is, you know, if he hasn't improved his pocket presence, his, his awareness, his ability to you know, stay calm in the pocket and read what he needs to read and then handle adversity by being what you just said, that leader, because Hudson is quiet. And so when things are going badly and he's just sitting on the bench, you know, the team needs that, that quarterback position to be reassuring. Otherwise everything slumps. So I think Hudson has to, has to show that in the spring that he's improved that part of the game, or I think Steve Sarkeesian's going to start looking for ways to get Quinn Ewers into that starting role. So um, anyway, that's a, that's a good hot topic that I'm sure people will be uh, discussing. All right. Um, love it or leave it. Number situation at Texas. People are going to talk about it. Come on. Amazing. That doesn't ever happen, right? Talk about <laughs> All right. My second one for you, Chip, is love it or leave it. There were more positives than negatives to take away from Texas 68 to 61 loss to Baylor. You know what? I'm going to leave this um, for the reasons I mentioned earlier. Where was the attack mode from the guards and, and even from Timmy Allen, who, you know, ended up being the leading scorer in the game and you know, he needed to go at Kendall Brown. He needed to go at Adam Flagler as well. But Andrew Jones, who's been so good for Texas, you know, had three straight 20 point games and did not have his three point shot going. He was 0 of 7 and he was 0 of 5 in the second half. At some point, he's got to make that, you know, he's got to say, okay, three pointers, not my friend tonight. I'm going to go get my, my points in the paint. I'm going to attack them. And that was disappointing for me just because Andrew Jones has been so good, you know, in that win over TCU, he and Marcus Carr both were seven of eight from the free throw line. And Andrew Jones, all of those free throw attempts came in the second half when Texas needed him to attack and, and get to the free throw line. So uh, I'm going to leave this because I, I felt like Texas uh, didn't quite show all the lessons that they've been learning here. Uh, you know, since that Baylor loss and, um, you know, the first one in Waco and, and I think they left a little something on the table in that game. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave this Taylor. How about you? I think I'm going to have to leave it too. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm the type that it's hard for me to take a lot of positives away from a loss. Um, you know, I mean, you take a lot of, you take more lessons, I feel like more so than not. And that's probably just from my upbringing. I mean, there are definitely positives to take away from losses. However, my, I, you know, I grew up with a dad who said, 
um, you know, you show me a good loser and I'll show you who the loser is. And so it's kind of like, that's my mentality a little bit. Um, and so I'm going to have to leave it. I think that the biggest thing, Chip, you know, was the, the lack of finish. And um, as you mentioned, I mean, you know, Andrew Jones finishes the game with six points when he, you know, has, has been very capable of putting up double digit numbers there. And the fact that the team could not force Baylor to foul them when there are three, well, three guys that had four fouls. I mean, it's like, come on. And that, I mean, that to me is just, you know, I, I it's, it should be inexcusable a little bit. So it, it's, there were definitely some positives. You saw a fight, you saw them really attack them early on in the game, but I've got to see it for a whole game. You know, I feel like the, this Texas basketball team is kind of playing games a little like how Tom Herman's teams played football games where it's like, it's a little too close for comfort guys. Like maybe, maybe break away a little bit or, you know, uh, extend the lead substantially instead of just keeping it, you know, between a three to five point lead and, and some of these games, especially against a number three ranked team. I mean, you got to strike when the iron's hot and I feel like Texas got the iron hot and then, you know, put it in cold water in the second half. So I'm going to have to leave it too. Well, speaking of lessons learned, Texas, when they played Kansas the first time, Courtney Ramey was sort of the hero of the game because he face guarded, um, you know, uh, Ajabi, the, the, you know, Kansas's leading scorer. And, you know, can he do it again in Fog Allen Fieldhouse? Uh, that's going to be a tall order. So um, be watching for that uh, when the Longhorns get senior night in Lawrence. All right. That's your favorite place to go, isn't it? Oh, so good. Yeah. I mean, pretty so good. And I'll, and I'll say Texas tech, that atmosphere against Texas this year was even better, but fog Allen field house is the best because all the history, it's a museum. It literally is a museum. Like yeah. James Naismith founded basketball. You walk through the halls of fog Allen field house. You're, you're in a museum. It's, it's awesome the way they've done it. So, um, yeah. The rock chalk Jayhawk will give you chills in your bones basically oh, yeah that's, that's your death sentence mm -hmm. you know that's your last rights when they start chanting rock chalk jayhawk in the final minute of a game <laughs> i've never been to a basketball game there I've, I've been to football games there and it's a glorified texas high school football stadium pretty much yeah. but um i would like to go to a basketball game i have not had the chance to do that but rock, ever chalk jayhawk ku when you hear that it's over yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've lost. <laughs> the Undertaker is coming to take your butt. That's right. The Undertaker. <laughs> uh, all right, Chip. My final love it or leave it for you is we will learn a lot about who Texas baseball is at a team as a team this weekend in Houston. Love it or leave it. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave this because I feel like I know what Texas is already. And I, that, I don't mean to sound like, uh, what a, you know, Homer and are you kidding me? They haven't played anyone. No. I mean, the stuff that Pete Hansen throws, the stuff that Tristan Stevens throws and Tanner Witt, and you got Travis Staley coming out of the pen. You got, you know, Andre Duplantier in an emergency. I just feel like I know now I think Texas can really put some confidence in the tank uh, with a strong performance this weekend. If they can handle Tennessee, handle LSU, handle UCLA, 
you know, Arkansas has already lost. Um, they were the number two team. They lost to Northern Illinois or Southern Illinois, one of the Illinois. Um, you know, and Texas is just, they've had a couple close calls. I mean, heck, they had a 5-4 game against AM Corpus Christi with three errors and four unearned runs. So, you know, I get it. It's, um, but I'm going to leave this, Taylor. I feel like I know what Texas baseball is. I, I just feel like this is an opportunity for them to put some confidence in the tank. How about you? Yeah, I think I, I'm going to agree with you. I think I'm going to leave it because for the same reasons. I think that you, we know what the strength of this team is. It's the pitching staff. It's the defense. And, um, you know, those are those are crucial things. Now, obviously, it it helps Texas resume and I think helps anybody that are potentially, you know, doubting them like, oh, OK, let's see what happens when they face like, you know, tougher um, competition. But, you know, Texas is still number one in the country. They're undefeated. Um, and um, even when they did have that close game against Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you know, they did pull through. So I, I'm going to have to leave it. I think we do know at this point who Texas baseball is, but it doesn't mean that they can go into Houston and, you know, get like, like beat. I, that would be, you know, more so than anything. I think that Texas just really needs to keep doing what they're doing. And, and, you know, they're, they're, I think talent's going to speak for itself. And I, so yeah, I'm just going to, I don't want to repeat everything you just said. So I'm just going to agree. I agree with everything that you said. I'm going to leave it and say, we know who this Texas baseball team is. Let's see it continue this way. Well, and there's film now, right? I mean, the Tennessee, LSU, UCLA, they've seen Pete Hansen now twice. They've seen uh, Tristan Stevens twice. They've seen Tanner Witt twice. They know tendencies or, and that's, that's going to be fun to see because the thing about Hansen is he changes the speed of his changeup. You know, he'll throw kind of a cutter and then he'll throw just a, you know, kind of a off speed change up. And it, it comes out of the same slot and you can't, you know, by the time you try to figure it out, it's too late. And that's where, where Hanson is so, he's so technical. And, and, you know, they, I mean, we talked about it last week, David Pierce called him a young Andy Pettit. I mean, Pierce remembers Andy Pettit from from Deer Creek and playing at San Jack in uh, their Northern campus in Houston back when, when David Pierce was with Wayne Graham at Rice. So it's, uh, that's, you know, the, his teammates call him baby Greg Maddox. So, you know, look, they're going to be bad performances somewhere along the way. Hanson's going to have a clunker. Tristan Stevens going to have a clunker. Tanner Wood's going to have a clunker. You just, uh, I just, I have way more confidence in those guys to bounce back from those kinds of performances or maybe not have them um, just based on what they're throwing. Yeah. So, all right. Good stuff. Good stuff, everybody. Make sure you check out the uh, Cameron Dicker interview, the flagship podcast from uh, Monday. And thanks for listening. You know what I mean? So for Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. And until then, stay safe and keep the faith.